Thank you, church family. Um, it's a great honor to be with you and share with you. I've got a passage of scripture we're going to read together. Um, in fact, if you can, if you're able, please stand up for the reading of scripture. We're going to turn in the Bibles to Matthew chapter 15, starting with verse 22. And that's Matthew chapter 15, verse 22. We're going to read through 28. It says, Jesus went away from there and withdrew into the district of Tyre and Sidon. And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. But he did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored him, saying, Send her away, because she keeps shouting at us. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. But she came and began to bow down before him, saying, Lord, help me. And he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. But she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus said to her, O woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Let's go ahead and pray. Lord, thank you for your word. I ask that, uh, Lord, that this word would take deep root in our hearts, that you'd pierce through people's hearts, Lord Jesus. Remove the scales off our eyes and ears. Give us eyes and ears to clearly hear and see you, Lord Jesus, and what it is you want us to get out of these passages. We thank you, Lord, for what you're about to do. And, Lord, I pray if there's anyone in here does, that does not know you as their Lord and Savior, Lord Jesus, that today would be the day of salvation. We thank you for this and pray and ask it all in Jesus' mighty name. And everyone says, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What I want you to do is I want you to go back in time and I want you to put, put yourself in the Canaanite woman's shoes. I want you to pretend like you're in this story. You're that woman. And there's some context of what you need to know and understand as we dive into this. There's going to be four key things I want you to take away from these passages of Scripture. But to give you a quick synopsis, a Canaanite woman asked him to heal her daughter who was demon-possessed. It's important that you understand she was not a Jewess, a Jewess, which is a female Jew but a Gentile. Not just a Gentile, but this woman was a descendant from the Canaanites. If you remember in the Old Testament, what did God tell Joshua and Caleb to do to the Canaanites? To wipe them out. It was an immoral race which God had marked for extinction. Through Israel's disobedience, though, some had survived the invasion of Canaan under Joshua, and by the way, they were a thorn in Israel's side for doing that. And this woman was actually a descendant of the survivors, and as a Gentile, she did not enjoy the privileges of God's chosen earthly people. See, God made a covenant with Israel, and those who were not Israel were not part of that covenant. She was an alien having no hope. Positionally, she had no claim on on God or the Messiah. It's very important that you understand this part because without it, this passage will not make sense. I want you to look with me at verse 22. 
And a Canaanite woman from that region came out and began to cry out, saying, Have mercy on me, Lord, son of David. My daughter is cruelly demon-possessed. Now she was speaking to Jesus and addressed him as the Lord, the son of David, a title which the Jews used in speaking of the Messiah. Although, G although what she said was true, Jesus was the son of David, a Gentile had no right at that time to approach him on that basis. And that is why he did not answer her. So could you imagine this? She's crying out. And look at verse 23. First part, but he did not answer her a word. He did not answer her a word. And his disciples came and implored, saying, Jesus, send her away. She's shouting at us. This is embarrassing. She won't leave us alone. Please, just send her away. Jesus is watching this whole thing. See, to the disciples, she was a nuisance. But to Jesus, she was a welcome example of faith and a vessel in whom his grace would shine. But first, he must prove, test, and educate her faith. How she handles these things will determine the outcome. Is her daughter going to be healed? So look at with me at verse 24. But he answered and said, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. He reminded her that his mission was to the lost sheep of Israel, not to Gentiles and certainly not to Canaanites. Look at how she responded, though. But she came and began to bow down before him. It's like she didn't even hear what he said. She just went and knelt down before him, saying, Lord, help me. Did you notice she took off the title, though, Son of David? She did not even acknowledge what he said, but by dropping the title, Son of David, she humbled herself by bowing before him and worshiped him, saying, Lord, help me. You see, if she could not come to him as a Jew to her Messiah, she would come as a creature to her creator. Look at me with verse 26. <clears throat> and he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Look at what this woman's been through. She's crying out nonstop begging. Jesus ignores her. The disciples finally come and complain, send her away. This is, this is ridiculous. She won't leave us alone. This is embarrassing. Please just send her away, Lord. Then he addresses them, and she heard him. Then she went down and bowed down before him and said, Lord, help me. 26 again, and he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. Meaning, Jesus was telling her that it was not good for him to turn aside from feeding the Jewish children in order to give it to Gentile dogs. Now, how many of you today, in our society today, if someone said something you didn't like, you're probably going to pop off. Jesus, who do you think you are? Who do you think you're talking to? You can't talk to me this way. She never once responded that, that way. She was humble. Her daughter was severely demon-possessed. Doesn't say what was going on, but you can bet a mom's love for her daughter would be doing anything she could to get rid of that demon. 
And by this time, the word of Jesus is spread around. Oh, Jesus could take care of that. Jesus is the one. Jesus cast out demons all the time. You need to go see Jesus. And he happened to come in that town. And she ran out. Listen to this phrase very carefully. If this sounds harsh, remember, it's not good to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs, basically calling the Gentiles dogs. If this phrase very carefully sounds harsh to us, but we should remember, like the surgeon's scalpel, it was not intended to hurt but to heal. You see, the Jews looked upon the Gentiles as scavenging dogs, prowling the streets for scraps of food. However, Jesus used the word for little pet dogs. How many of you have little dogs in your house, or at least a dog? Most of us do. They become kind of like your children. They don't even back talk. This is very important because the question was, would she acknowledge her unworthiness to receive the least of his mercies? See, Jesus says, I've come for the lost sheep of Israel. I didn't come for anyone else. Now, God's plan, and we'll talk about this towards them, but God's plan knew that the, the Jews would reject what he had to offer, and it would open it up to the rest of the world. But this woman at this time came when Jesus was appointed only to the Jews, and she was crying out to him. Look with me in verse 27. But she said, Yes, Lord. But even the dogs feed on the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Her reply, her reply was incredible. She did not argue with him or try to explain away the situation. She humbly agreed with his description completely, taking the place of an unworthy Gentile. She cast herself upon his mercy, his love, and his grace. She basically said, Jesus, you're right. I'm only one of the little dogs under the table. But I noticed that crumbs sometimes fall from the table to the floor. Won't you let me have some crumbs? I'm not worthy that you should heal my daughter. But I beseech you to do it for one of your undeserving creatures. Look at me at verse 20. Look with me at verse 28. Then Jesus said to her, Oh, woman, your faith is great. It shall be done for you as you wish. And her daughter was healed at once. Had Jesus just, she come up, Oh, Jesus, please heal my daughter. It's done. Go your way. We would have never really took a second thought at this, would we have? But the struggle that she went through, the lesson she learned, is what allowed her to grow and develop in her faith to receive that healing for her daughter. The same way it is for us. There are four key things I want you to take away from this. Number one, we need to be persistent crying out to God with our prayers. Persistent. This woman cried out till she made the disciples aggravated, saying, get her away, Jesus. I'm tired of this. She won't shut up. She won't leave us alone. Please just send her away. She'll listen to you. Persistence. You may have to pray, and I'm going to give you a, a true story here, an example of my grandmother that lived this out. 
even when, like the Canaanite woman, cried out and heard silence, even when we feel ignored, even when we feel like Jesus isn't listening or hearing our prayers, you need to be persistent because he does. He hears. He sees. He heard that. He heard the Canaanite woman the first time she cried out. He heard her. He was listening. How bad does she want me? Is she willing to listen? Is she willing to come to me my way, not her way? You have to go through a test in order to get a testimony. So we need to be persistent. A supporting verse for this is Galatians 6, 9, one of my favorite verses. And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Don't be one of those people who give up before the blessing comes. And that happens many times. People just give up. Right when the, when, when the answer's right around the corner, they just give up. It's darkest right before the dawn. We need to have, number two, we need to have a humble heart. She didn't try to defend herself. She didn't try to stand up for what she felt was right. She knew Jesus was her only hope. She came to him humbly. It doesn't matter about me, Jesus. It only matters what you say and what you want. I have a need, only you can answer it. James 4, 6 says, but he gives a greater grace. Therefore, it says, God is opposed to the proud, but gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to the humble. We need to worship the Lord. Number three, we always need to have a worshiping heart. Worship the Lord always. Psalms 95, 6 says, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. When you bow before the Lord, you're telling him, you are king of kings and lord of lords. I submit and yield to you and you alone. One of the best things you can do is get alone with God and bow before him. And tell him how much you love him and how much he means to you. And number four, we need to exercise and hold fast to our faith. You see, it was her faith in Jesus that he was going to answer her prayer that persisted her through the whole thing. In her mind, she knew Jesus is the only one that can heal me. I'm not going to give up. I will do whatever it takes. Lord Jesus, you tell me. I'll humble myself. I will be like the persistent widow who came day after day. Hebrews 10:23. Actually, Hebrews 11:1. 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. She hoped for this. She didn't see it. She couldn't see it with her tangible. She knew her daughter was being tormented by this demon. But she knew that Jesus could heal her. Yes. Hebrews 10.23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that promised. Right. He has the answers. We need to be praying, believing, and expecting God to do great things. Not demanding but expecting with a humble heart. And as we do that, we have to make sure our prayers, just like that lady was crying out, she was using the wrong phrase, you have no right, you're not a Jew. That's meant for the Jews, what you're saying. But when she humbled herself and just said, Lord, help me, 
we need to make sure our prayers line up with God's word because God honors his word. And if we're praying against his word or something that's not aligned with his word, you will not get an answer to that prayer. So I'm going to tell you a true story about my grandmother. <clears throat> Many moms and grandmas in here are prayer warriors. And when my grandmother passed away about four years ago, I lost my biggest prayer warrior. I remember she, when she was a young girl, she always prayed that her dad would get saved. This was so long ago to give you an idea. He came over from Ireland during the potato famine. He was just a baby. And uh, they moved into Tennessee, Bristol, Tennessee. And he moved into a, a home in McMinnville, Tennessee. Worked at the Raytheon plant there. He was a hard man. Uh, mean, stubborn. Anybody got that, somebody like that in your family? A couple of us. But he always treated me and my brother really good. But he was mean to his kids. I mean, he beat them. I mean, he was a harsh man. Grew up. Unfortunately, when people grow up in homes like that, they tend to pass it down to their kids. I remember uh, taking him to the hospital right before his wife passed away, Grandmother Mangum, and kissed her for the, for the last time and tears rolling down his face. It was the only time I ever saw him shed a tear until he wasn't feeling good. We were taking care of her, and he started not doing good after she soon passed, and we were taking care of him. And uh, I would always say, Papa, when are you going to come to Jesus? Jesus loves you. He wants you to come to him. He'd always say, I'll get around to it. I'll get around to it, folks. And I told him, I said, Papa, you don't know when around to it is not long enough. You don't know. We're not promised tomorrow. We don't know when we're going to die. And I started to walk away, and he said, with tears in his eyes, he said, David, what must I do to be saved? Tears pouring down his cheeks. And I took his hand and I said, Oh, Papa, it's so easy. You just ask Jesus, Jesus, save me. Come into my life. I make you my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. And I took his hand and prayed with him right then and there. Tears rolling down his face. Now, I didn't know this till I walked out of the room. <clears throat> but my grandmother heard the whole thing. She was bawling like a baby outside that door. She'd been praying over 65 years for that answered prayer. So I want you to know, persistence pays off. Don't give up. Some of us have wayward kids. Some of us have <clears throat> kids that aren't doing well. Some of us have grandkids. We don't even get to see probably. You keep praying. God hears those prayers. He will honor and answer those prayers. So which leads me to a very important thing. If you were to die today, are you 100% sure you would go to heaven? Are you 50%? Are you 75%? Are you 100% sure beyond a shadow of a doubt if you died you'd go to heaven? You know, God wants you to have that assurance. He doesn't want you to doubt. He wants you to know. How did we get in this situation? Do you remember when God put Adam and Eve in the garden? Said he could eat of any tree in the garden except for the one tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He said, if you eat of that tree, you shall surely die. What did Adam and Eve do? 
They rebelled, uh, rebelled against God and ate from the fruit he told them not to. <clears throat> We're spirit's own body. We walk and talk in our bodies. Our soul reasons, thinks, and plans, and makes decisions. And our spirit is our contact with God. When Adam and Eve ate that fruit, they died spiritually immediately. Everybody born after Adam and Eve was born spiritually dead. Now, I got three daughters when they were growing up. I could say, don't touch that. And I turn my back. What's the first thing you think they're going to do? If you got kids, you'd say the same thing. You don't have to teach children how to do bad. They were born with that sin nature. Now, when we get to the age of accountability, where we know the difference between right and wrong, and we choose to do wrong, our destination is hell. But, but what God did for you and me, but before I get there, what he did for you and me. If you had cancer, and the doctor ignored it, and there was a treatment for it and didn't give it to you, don't you think that would be inhumane of that doctor not to let you know that you had cancer? So I have to help each of us understand that we have something like cancer in our lives, and it's called sin. So, would you consider yourself to be a good person? I ask a lot of people that. Most people say, oh, yeah, I'm a great person. So I'm going to give you a test, and this test is so you can reflect yourself in the mirror and understand we're really not good people. And we're going to use the mirror of the Ten Commandments. It's very important because this lets us recognize our sin nature. And have you ever told a lie before, ever in your life? I had one man tell me, oh, no, I've never told a lie. I said, you're lying now. <laughs> Everybody has told a lie. What do you call someone who's told lies before? A liar, that's right. So what are you? You ever taken something that didn't belong to you before? A piece of candy from your brother or sister growing up, regardless of the value. Most of us, if we tell the truth, have taken something. What do you call someone who takes something that doesn't belong to them? So what are we? A lying and a thief. That's right, not just a thief. You ever hated somebody before, even for a split second? Did you know the Bible says if we ever hated someone before, we're guilty of murder in our heart? Have you ever used the Lord's name in vain before growing up? Most of us have. That's blasphemy, taking God's name, dragging it through mud. It was punishable by death in the Old Testament. Very serious. And the Bible says if you look at a person with lust, you committed adultery with them in your heart. So if we're honest, by our own admission, we are a lying, thieving, blasphemous, murdering, adulterate heart, and we've only gone through five of the Ten Commandments. This is serious. If God were to judge you and me by the Ten Commandments, would he find us innocent or guilty? If he were to find us guilty, heaven or hell? That's a scary thought. Have you ever burned your finger, your hand, or your arm really bad before? Imagine that over your whole entire body, not one year, not ten years, not a thousand years, but forever and ever and ever, no hope of ever getting out. That is absolutely horrible. I do not want to see anybody go to hell. It says the gnashing of the teeth and the worm never dies. Burning for eternity. It's horrible. 
But God loves you so much that he gave his one and only begotten son. And when he hung on that cross, it was a transaction, meaning when he hung, he took your sin and my sin upon himself. He took your punishment and my punishment upon himself so that we could be pardoned and found innocent when we stand before God one day. But there is two things that you and me must do according to the word of God in order to get our names written in the Lamb's book of life. Number one, we must repent of our sins. Now, the word repent is more than just asking for forgiveness. It means I turn away from my sin and I turn to Jesus. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. To the best of my ability right now, I'm turning away from my sin and I'm turning to you and I ask you to forgive me. And I need your help because I can't do this without you. If we could be good enough to go to heaven, then Jesus would have never had to die on a cross for us. It would have been for nothing. Second thing we must do is put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. I heard that. I was like, well, what are you talking about? What does that even mean? It means you make a commitment to Jesus to surrender your life to him, and you receive him as your Lord and Savior. It means you give him control of your life. Romans 10, 9, and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, and that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. This is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. A good analogy. How many of you in here have been, been to court before? I didn't ask you for what, just have you been to court before? Okay. <laughs> he said, thank you for not asking. It's if you're in court. You've died, you're in court, you're standing before God, he's the judge. He has the Ten Commandments up, and he's got the gavel in his right hand. Guilty, 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 he's about to slam the gavel down and sentence you to hell for eternity. Jesus busts through the doors and said, I paid your fine in full. Even though we're guilty, God can rightly, justly dismiss our case because we repent of our sins and put our trust in the Savior you can't trust your good works because we're not good enough to go to heaven a lot of people say well I do this I do that it's not good enough to get you into heaven you can't work for it you can't earn it and you don't deserve it it's a free gift that's right you can't buy it it's a free gift Revelation 3.20 says behold I stand at the door and knock if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into them and sup with them and them with me. That means he'll come in and live with you forevermore. But if Jesus is knocking on the door of your heart, who's the only one that can open that door and let him in? You. Mom and dad can't do it for you. Grandma can't do it for you. Only you can make that decision. God loves you so much he gives you a free will and free choice. He doesn't force you to do anything. So my question is to you today, we have two choices. If he's knocking on the door of your heart right now, what are your two choices? You can either open the door, let him in, or you can hold that door closed and reject him. <clears throat> Choice is yours. What do you want to do with Jesus Christ? Today's the day of salvation. Don't put it off. If you would, every eye closed, every head bowed.
If you say, Pastor David, I've been running from God. I'm not right with God. I've been running. I, when I was younger, I knew him, but I've been running. If this is you and you say, I want to return to my first love, I want to return to Jesus, would you just slip your hand up right where you are? I see your hand. Thank you. If you've never been saved and you say, David, I don't know Jesus. I want to know him. I want to be saved. I want to be saved. If that's you, would you please just slip your hand up right where you are? can lift your heads now talking to a bunch of saved people here right now which I'm glad if that's the case if you're not saved and you're not ready promise me you'll think about what we just talked about take it before your head hits pillow tonight cry out to Jesus Lord Jesus save me you don't have to be a church to get saved Lord Jesus save me I give you my life forgive me of my sins I want you to be my Lord and Savior I give you my life Instantly, you'll be saved. Your name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. Anything happens to you, you'll go straight away into heaven to be with Jesus. You don't have to worry about death. Oh, death, where is thy sting? Hard part about death on earth is the living ones have to live with it. Because God never intended for us to die. When we get to heaven, there'll be no more death. With this, remember the Canaanite woman her faithful prayers, her crying out to God, persistent. Don't give up on your prayers. God hears them. He will honor and answer them. Uh, let's close. And Actually, if you have any prayer, scratch that. If you've got questions about what we talked about, if you haven't got your baptism in order, we're about to go to a song, closing song. Then Pastor William's going to come up and close this out and do communion if you need prayer you haven't got baptized yet and you want to get baptized come up and talk to us you got questions about salvation come up and talk to us we're going to be right up here up front let's let me close this in prayer real quick and we'll start the song lord jesus thank you thank you for your word may it pierce and penetrate our hearts and lord jesus let it bear much fruit lord jesus i thank you for your word and what you did for us on the cross, your death, burial, and resurrection. We'll just repent and put our trust in you and your finished work on the cross. Our name will be written in the Lamb's book of life. We have nothing to fear, nothing to worry. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you for every person in this room. I ask that you touch them, that you lead them, guide them, direct them, protect them, that you be with them and help them and draw them close unto yourself. In Jesus' name, and everyone says, amen.